This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. Hey, this is Heather. Hey, this is Liz. This week, we sit down to talk about Captain Marvel. Get your kitty cats, and let's hit that music. And we have since seen a female-led superhero movie. Oh, God. But we just, you know, they come so few and far between when they do come. It's like the chorus of angels starts to sing. (laughs) Yep. Marvel actually announced Captain Marvel some years ago, maybe two or three years ago. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I heard about it, I went and went to my Marvel Unlimited app and downloaded everything they had for free on her. And so it started out with Miss Marvel. Mm-hmm. And before she got promoted. <laughs> got the pants. Yes. And before she got her pants. That comes with the promotion. Mm-hmm. So I really enjoyed the Miss Marvel series. Yes, uh, she did have a lack of pants. I, it didn't make a lot of sense. But whatever. Yeah, you know. You're a girl in a comic book. Chances are you're wearing a skirt. Yeah, and there was some kind of rapey thing. It wasn't rapey. It was more stalkery thing. Mm-hmm. So uh, there, she also has a cat in the comic books. And it turns out her cat is trying to get her attention because she's uh, actually, her cat is actually Doctor Strange. Oh. Just living in the cat. Okay, but it's not Goose. No, it's not Goose. Trying to get her attention. Actually, her cat's name is Chewy. So... That's creepy. Yeah, it is. It's it's a very worm tail kind of situation. Yes, exactly. Like, you know, you get dressed in front of your animals because they aren't the type to be all permed yeah. out by it, right? Yeah, I think there is a serious lack of trust that's going to show up between you and really everything in your life when you find out that a grown human male has in fact been living in your domicile for God knows how many years, seeing God knows what, um, because you thought it was a cat. Yeah. Now, she did, you know, not wear pants in public on a regular basis, so it'd only be like a little bit less than what she did. But it's about (laughs) consent, Dr. Strange. That is true. I, I should have the option whether I would like some strange man to watch me change clothes every day. Exactly. So now, I as I... Lock myself in the closet to change. Right. <laughs> You're like, I don't even trust the, like, the fan anymore. Because you just don't know. It could be Doctor Strange in fan form. I don't know. Vision, do not walk through the walls. All right. So let's, uh, I think that it's probably self-explanatory that we're going to talk spoilers. So mm-hmm. uh, you should probably stop listening now and then come back. To hear a little bit about Captain Marvel if you haven't seen it yet. 
And if you are a dumbass troll boy who is just going to shit all over this and us, you can just move on to the next episode. We'd appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. This, I think this movie has gotten more outrage than any other superhero movie that I ever heard of. And it doesn't make a ton of sense. No, it doesn't. And, you know, I, I don't even know. Like, I can't even wrap my brain around what the argument is. And they'll say things like, oh, Captain Marvel, nobody knows who she is. Well, guess what? Before Iron Man, I didn't know who any of the Marvel superheroes were. <laughs> like, I wasn't a big comic book reader, you know? So I, outside of the DC that we had seen, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, that, you know, you saw growing up because there were shows, mm-hmm. and X-Men, that kind of thing, that because there was a cartoon about it, that's what I, as a non-comics reader, knew so until they said, and I always felt that all of the superheroes that Marvel brought up were like kind of the lesser known, you know, heroes, but that was the cool thing about them is because you didn't really know who they were, you're getting to see all their stories for the first time and you're getting much more of a fresh take on them. Yeah, they're definitely forgetting that Iron Man was kind of a lesser known one. And the Guardians of the Galaxy, even though that was a comic series, it was not a comic series uh, like Captain Marvel. And they certainly didn't lead the Avengers at one point. No, it's a talking tree and a raccoon. Like who, if they had started with that, you'd been like, what the, this is so bullshit. But because they didn't, because they made, you know, they brought characters in in a way that made a little bit more sense but they haven't really brought them in as the these are the strongest ones you know it's kind of like "Eh, here's this guy let's bring him in like i think the real first avenger was ant-man you know like he came in what eight years after the fact yeah i don't know i i didn't know much about ant-man too until they showed him in the marvel cinematic universe um yeah, I think the first thing I heard about him was in an Alamo Drafthouse trailer. And with those, you can't ever tell if they're real or not. You know, it's like watching Saturday Night Live. You're like, whoa, is that real? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, even that, even Iron Man, though, was not a really, really well-known character. So Mm-mm. them saying, oh, we don't know who this is. Like, who gives a shit? This is why we make a movie, so you know who they are. Right, Exactly. And then they're like, well, where's she been? I'm like, doing shit. She had a job to do. It wasn't here. Back off. Yeah. Uh, that being said, um, I did feel that the movie kind of had a slow burn it's to, because it had so much of her origin story. It did remind me a lot of Iron Man in that that we got a, a chunk of, of the Iron Man origin, uh, not necessarily Tony Stark's, Stark's origin. And in this one... This is a very, also a very complex past that Captain Marvel had. That, you know, she was human, but she thought she was Kree. That's pretty complex. We got to dive into that. Uh, she has amnesia. Yeah. And then she ends up back on Earth and things are going weird. Well, also because the only real reference that we have to the Kree is either Ronan, the accuser from Guardians of the Galaxy, who is a known bad guy. And then we have the guy, the corpse, that they use for Project Tahiti in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. But where did... Oh, was uh, Yeah, yeah. was that... uh, Was he a Kree? He was a Kree. But I'm like, where'd that guy come from? And uh, I actually couldn't remember if it was a Kree specifically, but we went and looked it up later and it was. Because, you know, they had several of these scrolls that die on the planet. I was like, well, maybe it's one of them that became the Tahiti kind of thing. But... Anyway, move. that's, you know, 
Yeah, and the Cree were like a multi-race people, so you could see that, well, multi-race, I put that in quotes, right? That there was a lot of variation within. With... Yeah, everybody looked a little different. It wasn't like everyone looked the same except her. Yeah, which makes sense, and Earthling right. would be the same. Because, you know, Jude Law looks pretty human-ish most of the yeah. time, so. You know, but anyway, so let's let's kind of get started into this. He's a good-looking man. He is a good-looking man. I didn't think that when, like, when he first came on the scene and way back in the day when he was cheating on Sienna Miller with the nanny, you're like, meh, I don't see it. Yeah. He's one of those that has gotten better with age. He is a fine wine. Yes. It's, it's kind of weird when he played the Pope on HBO because then you're like, yeah. <laughs> you're like I'm having really complex and confusing feelings about yeah. a very holy person. This is not a good yeah. plan. <laughs> I do not like sexy Pope. It just doesn't work. It's it's a little like sexy Dumbledore. <laughs> doesn't work for me. It's very weird. Although I'll tell you, if I like, I still have not seen. I, I have it. I own it. We just have not gotten a chance to watch the Fantastic Beasts Crimes of Grindelwald yet. So when I when I hear the term sexy Dumbledore, I do not go to Jude Law. I go to more of I don't know if you ever saw the Disney version of the Sword and the Stone back in the day. And they got the cartoon Merlin who has like like, you know, his skirt rides up and he's got skinny legs. That's what my brain goes to. And it's really <laughs> confusing. Really just utterly that is quite confusing. Terrifying and confusing. Cause you're like, oh, oh, that mm, no. Like it just <laughs> it just doesn't fit in my in my brain capacity at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's, there was a bunch of things that got kind of changed in the movie. And initially, the trailers had come out, and it seemed like she was Cree, be, most probably because she thought she was Cree. Mm -hmm. And I was like, they completely retconned the fact that she was born human. Well, they, I mean, even in the even in the trailers, they did have the flashes of her falling off the rope at, you know, army camp or falling off a bike yeah. or, you know, those kind of things. So but it almost it almost tried to make it seem like maybe she had lived multiple lives or, you know, like you just don't know with the superhero origin. They can bounce all over the place. So, yeah, I, but I think coming back, you know, coming at it where it's like she's full Cree, she's got these powers, but for some reason they're like, no, no, you have to learn to fight through the powers and not be emotional and control yourself and all of this. And you're like, well, that's weird. If you got powers, fucking use them. But obviously that yeah. comes into play much later in the film. I know. And it wasn't so odd for me because almost every superhero movie is like people whose powers like go out of control and causes a kind of problem. It's the entire first movie. And then it was like, you need to channel this. And so that you can, you know, <laughs> use this without killing everybody in the room. It's very karate kid. <laughs> yeah. Get your feelings under control, Daniel son. <laughs> but, uh, I, did, I, I really liked it. I liked the Cree outfits, but being a, uh, being that they were, she was in the military, the Cree military or whatever, and that they were at war against the Skrulls, I, I liked it because it was kind of a fun thing. And we know the Skrulls are bad, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just a... They're just terrible. They're very clearly bad guys. Yeah, very clearly bad guys. I liked, I liked the military aspects of it, but... That was another thing that they added to the mystery is clearly the scrolls can mess with your mind. Mm -hmm. Well, that's the thing. Like you never see benevolent shapeshifters, right? They're always evil in some sort of capacity. 
Except for Odo from Deep Space Nine, head of security. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know, melt into a bucket. That's fine. But, but you know, for the for the most part, when you're looking, I mean, even just in our own Native American mythology and things like that, most of the skinwalkers and thing people who were shapeshifters and could change shape, it's never seen as like a good thing. It's always kind of bad. So that makes it very easy to classify them into bad guy land. Anyway, um, so okay, let's let's talk about this. So the movie kind of opens, and she's waking up from a dream. Was it a dream? Bad dream, something. Yeah, yeah. Where she's, uh, you see the. That's when you see the green blood for the first time, or is it blue blood? What color does this? It's blue. It's it's blue, which is where the the connection to the Cree corpse for Tahiti really yeah. popped into my brain. Um, because it, you know, they had, they had the blue blood as well, but so we're, we see this, we see, she's got the blood. She's got this Annette Benning character in her head. You don't really know fully what's going on. Then you find out she's talking to their supreme intelligence or whatever they, is that what they called it? Something like that. Yeah. Like she got plugged in the mainframe. Yeah. She's in the matrix. Uh, so she's talking to the Oracle lady from the matrix who looks like Annette Benning. Because why wouldn't she? Um, and so she wakes up and she has to go and she can't sleep. So she goes and wakes up Jude Law, who's got a name. I honestly re- did not remember any of the character names throughout this whole movie. They just weren't that important. His name is Jan Rog, which I, if you had asked me what was the name of Jude Law's character, I'd have been like, yeah. I don't know, hot guy number one. I don't know. So I don't remember them saying it. Maybe they did. If I go back and watch it, they probably said it 40 times. It just didn't click. Ronan's name I got because I was looking for it, you know. And we knew him. (laughs) Yeah, the Korath guy. uh, Yeah, that's. The Jaman, whatever the guy from, you know, Guardians, the, the black dude. Right when I saw him, I was like, oh, wait a second. Well, I was like, when was that guy good? Yeah. Right? Because these are the good Cree, right? And now we know from Guardians, like, everybody might think, oh, Cree are bad because Ronan was Cree. But remember, Ronan was a terrorist extremist Cree. They talk about that in Guardians of the Galaxy. So when I saw Karath with this group, I'm like, well, Jesus, he was a good guy. Like, what, you know, what happened in the meantime that made him go work with Ronan? And then they have... You know, she gets lost to the scroll, and then they have a conversation with Ronan, and it's like, huh. Yeah. Okay, but they don't want him to know where they are or where she is, so maybe they're, you know, maybe they're concerned about his allegiance at that point. Maybe they didn't know if he was going to be a terrorist or an extremist. Yeah, and I think they knew that what his reaction was going to be violent and not give her a chance. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and just, you know, shoot first, ask questions later. And so we we get in and we start seeing her memories or, you know, these flashback scenes from her memories. And there, there's like a talk track behind it. Right. So they're like, what what are we what are we looking at? What what's happening here? And I just I was laughing at so much of what they were saying. But they're like, no, 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 you've gone too far. You've gone. Nope. Fast forward, forward, back, backwards, backwards. Yeah. And it's like, what are we seeing? I have no idea what's happening. Like, it was just really funny. And then you realize these people are somehow probing her memories, trying to find something. Yeah, that was that was a fun uh, that was a fun thing that they when she was captured by the scroll that 
Now, that is one thing I love about Marvel Universe is that they do not have a problem with throwing comedy in there for comedy's sake. They've got this vein of humor that runs through a lot of this. We saw it really heavily in Thor Ragnarok. There was a lot of just really serious things punctuated by funny. And I think Disney Marvel as a whole is doing this. We saw it in uh, The Force Awakens. You know, who who talks first? Do you talk first? Do I talk first? Like this, un- <laughs> you know, interrupting this uncomfortable silence with something ridiculous, like a true smart ass, like something I would probably say and get my head blown off because that's exactly how I would die in these situations <laughs> as I would smart off to the wrong person at the wrong time. Um or uh, the guy, Michael Pena's character in Ant-Man, Perfect. who just tells these really crazy stories. Like, I, I honestly would love to see him explain, you know, the, the 10 years of Marvel Cinematic Universe right before the beginning of Infinity War or uh, Endgame. That'd be awesome. And just, just like, what, like his crazy rambling variation of what happened and how they got to the point that they did. Yes, I would love that as well. Um I that is kind of one of those defining things between DC and well it's and uh, Marvel and in this case it's probably a lot of the Disney influence is they make it fun and they know that like a lot of times maybe people that are going to the movies aren't necessarily going because they're a huge fan of it they're going because their family members are like their children or just because it's available yes you know you get a lot of people who end up at these things because it's just it's not the lame, you know, foreign film. It's not a kid film. Like, it's the only adult option available at that time frame. Yeah. Which we still go to movies like that. It's like, well, yeah, I don't know that I really want to go see this, but we really want to get out of the house, and this is what's playing. Yeah. So. They give you they give something for everybody. Because you know, at the end of the day, especially they initiated it right away, um, put that in there went uh, Iron Man. I guess that was his paramount at the time, but... Um, that feeling that you're going to enjoy this, even if even if you're not mm-hmm. interested, whether yeah. you know what it is. Even if, yeah, because I will say that's honestly how I got to Iron Man. I didn't again. I didn't know shit about Iron Man. It wasn't a comic I had ever read. I think we just said, "Oh, hey, there's a new movie out, and it might be action oriented, and it's not a chick flick. It's not a kid flick. It's not a you know Oscar bait. So let's go watch that. It looks like it could be interesting." You watched Iron Man for the first time at my house. Did I? Okay. <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> so that's how I ended up at Iron Man, unless I watched it at your house, probably while we were scrapbooking. That's exactly what we were doing. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's how I watched Inception for the first time, or the only time. You watched it at my and house? And How to Train Your Dragon. I did. I watched Inception with you and How to Train Your Dragon. See, I got good taste in movies. <laughs> you do. <laughs> Trust me, because I wouldn't have seen probably either one of those had you not shown them to me. So Yeah, How to Train Your Dragon is like one of my favorite movies of all time. It's very cute. I really like it. But again, it's not one that I would have sought out, you know. Yeah, for Iron Man 2, because after I'd saw Iron Man, I got those like free preview tickets. uh, Yeah. You go, like if you call the radio station... You get free preview tickets, but your seats aren't guaranteed. And so right. I went to the movie theater like two hours early and just sat there just so that I could go Sounds see Sounds like it. when we went to see Batman. Remember we went and saw Batman like, was it like 8.30 in the morning oh, it was one so day? early. But we actually had a guaranteed seats for that. We had tickets for that. But again, we were still there like way early just to get in because 
even though you had a seat, you still had to line up. It was weird. Yeah, that was back in the day. That was well, you had to line up just to. No, you had a you had a seat, but you didn't have a seat where you wanted. Exactly. Like it wasn't like you do now, where you pick your seat before you're there. I can't believe there are still people who don't understand that. Paul and I went to the movies last month for something. I don't even remember what it was now. Maybe Spider Man, and we saw. Um, like this guy just came in and like sat down behind us and somebody else came in and they were like, Oh, did they double book us? And he's like, why do we have assigned seats? We're like, bitch, have you bought a movie ticket in the last three years? Like, I don't even know of a theater anymore where you just get a free for all. Yeah. And I think though it works out better because I really hated sitting and waiting to get into a movie theater just so that you can get a seat together or something. Yeah, it's the worst. It's like, no, we're going to pick our seats. I'm going to pick them where I want them to be. And it's also great for me because, like, when we went to see The Last Jedi, we went with Mandy and a friend of hers. And it was like, we got front row seats because that's all that was left. But I had to go see it on opening day. Like, I could not. I knew everybody in the world would spoil it before I got there, even, you know, on a real opening day. Like, we went the Thursday night before. And I was like, we have to go, we have to go. But it's like we saw him in the front row. And the front row is the worst place in the world to try to watch, especially a big movie like Star Wars. Yeah, but I I agree. You had to see it. Yeah, I could have lived with like Christopher Robin from the first row because there's nothing to really see. But Star Wars, uh uh-uh, too much. Overwhelming. It depends on how many close-ups of faces there are because that's really hard to see from the front row. You're like, I – like – this dude's nostril is as big as my entire body. <laughs> well, yeah, and watching the the big, uh, whatever it's called, the big green milking thing on the beach, you're like, oh, God, what am I watching? And why am I nipple height? Like, this is terrible. Just, <laughs> <laughs> God. <sighs> so, yeah. Yeah. So, okay, back to back to Captain Marvel. Yes. So we, we get this, and she's with the scroll, and we realize just how powerful she really is because she manages to pull herself out of this mind machine and kick the crap out of everyone on this ship while her hands are completely encased in, like, iron. That that was pretty awesome. That was a lot like Vader, like, rocking down the hallway at the end of, uh, what was it, Rogue One? Oh, yeah, that was great. So it was very, like, I really like those kind of things. And especially when you just see, like, you hear the kick and you see someone fly through a corridor, but you didn't see the actual impact. And, like, I really like those kind of shots because they're... They're not so in your face. And yes, we got it. She can punch. She can fight. But it's like, oh, she just like threw seven guys down the hall, you know, and they're like, oh, sit down, little lady. And you're like, fuck off. So they kept saying that they gave her these powers and they could take them away. Oh, yeah. And I kept thinking, why didn't they give them to anybody else? Well, that was my thing. Like, she's clearly not a Cree if they've given her this power. Like, they've kind of insinuated that from the beginning. And she knows she's not. I mean, she acts like she is, but she really knows she's not. Because otherwise, she wouldn't be missing major, like, her entire life before six years earlier. She knows something happened. What surprises me is that she doesn't automatically assume that this military organization that she works for had something to do with it. Oh, no, they're the saviors. I know. Like, I think that that would be your first instinct. Well, I work for this, the the military, who does some pretty crappy things. Because you know that she didn't just all see, like, happiness and sunshine from the Cree, in the Cree military. Why wouldn't she thought a little bit that maybe there was something deeper down? Yeah, I don't know. I think they just had 
filled her head and probably everyone else's so much with the scroll are bad. They've been killing our people for years, you know, and, and honestly, you see that in any kind of yeah. military state or situation where everyone outside is the enemy and we have to fight them and they're clearly all just pure evil. They don't have any motivations of their own. They don't have their side. We know there's a side to every story. So Yeah, and when you're fighting somebody, regardless of whatever their motivations are for the fight, you're going to be it's going to enforce your beliefs because, hey, they mm-hmm. killed my friend. It's like, yeah, maybe they killed your friend because uh, your friend and you all came and attacked them. <laughs> yeah, and I think that I think that if you're in any tor- sort of a military situation, and this is why this kind of works, it's much easier to believe that the other side, whoever you're fighting, is 100% evil because then it justifies any atrocities that you do in yeah. your line of work. Yeah, to, to for victory. Because I think if you spend way too much time considering the other person's thoughts and feelings and motivation and who struck first and those kind of things, it becomes too real and too human and too like us. And it's really hard to, unless you're a complete and total sociopath or a fucking psychopath, you just, you just can't do those things, you know, if you can see the other person as an actual human. Yeah. Well, I think that, uh, you know, at this point we see that. Captain Marvel is well. I guess she's not Captain Marvel by this time. She's Veers. Yes, is her name. Yeah, and yeah. Um, Veers is what they call her. I don't know. She had a. She may have had a military rank on that too, but they just called her Veers for the most part. Yeah. So this is where we see. Obviously, she was able to get out of uh, get out of there. We know that the scrolls can get into her mind. We know that they can also get uh get to transform so we learned a lot of things there even if you aren't familiar with the scrolls and luckily she gets out alive and they didn't they only lost like one person in that ambush so that was Mm -hmm. pretty good yeah not not terrible but um so then she she takes a she steals an escape pod because she's basically blown a hole in the side of their vessel so she she gets it, and I love that when her helmet goes on, it turns into a mohawk. That's awesome. It just makes me so happy. And I think that flaming kinda, fire mohawk. Yeah, it kind of shows that like her whole persona. I mean, it still is based on a little bit of her own personality because everybody had their own little twist on their uniform mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, it wasn't the same for everybody, and that was kind of cool. So she takes the shuttle, and she crash lands, and it happens to be right in the middle of a 1995 Blockbuster. That was awesome. Video, Blockbuster video store. (laughs) And I just love that, like, you know, she's never seen a video store, so she turns around and blasts the head off of a cardboard cutout that's standing in the back of the store, which was awesome. Yeah, Jamie Lee Curtis and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, True Lies. What a great movie. It was a great Uh, movie. That was a great, we should do that movie. It's great. Uh, I mean, it's terrible, but it's also great because it's an Arnold movie. So yeah, I'm a fan. So anyway, she gets out and she goes and talks to a security guard. And it's like, where do you find the communications devices? And he just points to like a radio shack. So she goes and I guess breaks into the radio shack and builds her own like MCI card built into her suit or something so she can make a long distance call to this random spaceship out in God knows where. And then that's when for no real reason whatsoever, shield shows up Yep, and we see a very young looking 
Nick Fury. So we've got Samuel L. Jackson CGI'd to within an inch of his life. Yeah. And Clark Gregg also playing Agent Coulson CGI'd beautifully. With Just awesome, adorable. Awesome haircut on uh, Coulson. <laughs> yes. Uh, so then they start talking and then the scrolls show up and everybody starts shooting and then she's chasing and running and they go, wow, did you see her gun? No, I didn't see a gun. And then so she yeah. goes and she gets in this train and she's trying to find them because they're shapeshifters. So she just happens to see a lady on the train who she also already plastered on the platform, which, you know, shapeshifter, that's it's kind of shapeshifting 101. If you don't want people to know who you are, maybe don't leave that person to be seen. I don't know. So she goes and punches an old lady in the face, which, I mean, who doesn't want to punch an old lady in the face in transit? That's just. <laughs> yeah, this is my, this was, there was a lot of awesome action in this little section. Um, my favorite part though, was as um, Samuel L. Jackson uh, is, I, he's not director, I guess at this point, special agent. No, Fury? no, what was special he? agent Fury. Yeah. Just Fury, remember? Oh, yeah. Everyone calls him Fury. What does your mom call you? Fury. (laughs) So as Fury's just driving down the road trying to chase this chaos that's being created by this fight up ahead, he gets a phone call from Coulson going, Hey, (laughs) well, I'm still at the Blockbuster. Where'd you go? (laughs) Except Coulson is sitting next to him in the car. So, you know, she's already told him, hey, they're shapeshifters or whatever. So then he has to have a little fight and blowdown with fake Coulson. And he gets a he gets an injury to his eye, you know, because at this point he's got two of them yes. that work. And so Crazy. he gets an injury to his eye. And I think we watch it the rest of the movie going, when is it going to go south? When is it? Because, you know, it's got to go south in this movie, right? He has to lose the eye somehow to so just watching like, all right, well, so far he's just bleeding. So, all right. That's that's all right. He's just bleeding. Yeah. But we're so I he know. catches. We're, he we're all back just up waiting. to her. Yeah. Oh yeah. We're just the, everybody's waiting. They're just watching. When's it gonna go bad? Um. So he catches back up with her somewhere. Yeah. Well, I mean, at that point, um. Yeah, he catches back up with her somehow psycho- psychically, and she's wearing an awesome nine inch nail shirt. And I'm like, yeah, this is pretty cool. Oh, that's right. She stole the motorcycle from that guy. And somebody reported it, so they got a, we have a, you know, we have a, you know, stolen motorcycle that matches your description. So I guess he somehow tracks down the bike, finds her. She is, she's wearing a leather jacket with a flannel tied around her waist, nine-inch nail top, you know, hiking, like the whole thing, just the Doc Martens, like the 90s grunge I had look. that outfit. My shirt was, I did too. <laughs> my shirt was a nine-inch nails black on black one. But mm-hmm. other than that, it, well, and I didn't have a leather jacket because that was her expression. I didn't have the leather jacket. I always had the flannel. I did too. And I think my, my shirt was probably a Metallica shirt. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, but yeah, I borrowed a pair of Doc Martens from a friend and I think I had them for about six months. So yeah, I had that look down as well yeah. in 1995 when I was a senior I, in high I school. I wore uh, Doc Martens with my dress to a, da- a school dance. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, we we rocked that look. So she meets back up with Fury, and they end up going to a, was it a S.H.I.E.L.D. facility or just a military? It may have just been an Air Force facility. Yeah, 
I I don't remember the specifics on how she was able to say that she remembered something and uh, somehow. Oh no, she said the who she was looking the Pegasus. For. Yeah. Well, the Pegasus. She remembered the doctor's name, or somehow maybe the scroll had mentioned it to her somehow, or said it while she was you know under, but she heard it. And she knew the face, and and when she was having this memory of this conversation that they were having in her memory, she saw the Pegasus logo on the back of the Air Force plane. So yeah. she manages to get him. I guess they meet up in a bar, and she manages to get him to tell her where they're going. So they go, and of course he identifies himself, and they just randomly let him in because he's an agent of a totally unknown organization. Sure, sure. Uh, but they don't really let him in, and they're. I don't know. Yeah, they're, they're holding they're very... him. They're just they're bullshitting him until somebody yeah. more important can come along. And I love that they they stick him in that security office, and you know he's like doing the master spy thing of getting a piece of tape and pulling a you know pulling a uh, fingerprint off of the ID that he just touched and using it to open the thing. And then she just uses her flame hands to blow him open. He's like, "You just sat there and watched me for five minutes <laughs> do that, and you could have just." She's like, "Meh." Yeah. yeah. That was fun. But that's where we did find out about this highly, um, uh, they were able to go into some kind of records and we were able to see, oh, what's the word? Uh, that it was a highly classified flight that they died and then they actually showed a picture and she was in it. And mm-hmm. uh, so that was like, hey, you know, I am here and I'm alive and I don't think I'm an earthling. So this is weird. And yeah. Um, that, and then she's like, mm, I'm in this picture, so I'm going to go with maybe, you know. <laughs> it could be. But, oh, I could. but, but at this point, um, Fury has already, like, used his little beeper, which, by the way, in 1995 was a one-way system, not a two-way system. He said it was and the so, first thing. It was, a, it was a brand new two-way beeper. Uh-huh. And you're like, sure it was. Well, he was movie. with S.H.I.E.L.D., you know. Yeah, well, so anyways, he uses his two-way beeper to basically send a note to his director or whatever, who, by the way, is a scroll. now. We saw that happen. Um, he, uh, so he sends this thing, and he's just biding time and waiting for backup to show up. And, of course, they show up, and, of course, they've got the, the bad guy in charge. So he kicks the crap out of Fury, try, you know, wants him killed, wants her killed. And they happen to run back into real Coulson, who lets them slip through. Yeah. Because it's Coulson. Yeah. I did like this next scene where they kind of talked about the fact that uh, Coulson clearly trusted his gut on this one because it didn't mm-hmm. make sense that the director was like alive or dead and that something felt off about it. And she was like, I'm not allowed to trust my gut. Like, that, yeah, she's I like, that's, trouble. yeah, yeah, you get killed for that. Like, that's not a thing. You don't you don't disobey orders and go with your gut. Exactly. So that was a neat insight kind of into um, her training. But uh, then Jude Law does it later when he she gets a hold of him and Mm -hmm. uh, he doesn't tell Ronan. So obviously, you know, the lack of paying attention to orders. Yeah. Yeah. It runs in the bloodline. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. I guess if so, you have a anyway, blood transfusion, you don't have that blood forever. You only have a blood for like a month. Six years, apparently. Six, that's, yeah. that's as long as Cree blood lasts is six years, exactly, to the day. <laughs> so anyway, she manages to get out of there, and I somehow she remembers her 
Earth best friend. Yeah. I guess her pa- her name was in the paperwork or whatever. Yeah. And she kind of has like a flash of memory of her. So she just randomly shows up at this lady's house in Louisiana. And, uh, of course, they're like, holy fuck, you were dead. Like, <laughs> yeah. they never found anything but half of a dog tag. Like, what the crap? And the little girl runs out. And, okay, so the little girl's name is Monica Rambo. Mother's name is Maria Rambo, Rambu, Rambo, whatever mm-hmm. they want to call her. And I was just reading something on this because the little girl's adorable, first of all. She's yeah. just the cutest thing you've ever seen. And she, from what I was reading, actually grows up to be like the second Captain Marvel. Oh, that's During cute. this time period, yeah, between 1995 and like now. She actually grows up, goes into the Air Force, becomes a pilot or whatever, and she takes on the next mantle of Captain Marvel down the road. So kind of cool if we've just seen, like, like she may pop up in Endgame or in one of the future movies as, like, her grown-up self. So yeah. we'll see. She's too old to become the next Iron Man because because it's the 90s, so she would be by closer to our age. And the new um, Iron Man is about a 16-year-old girl but mm. um so i still feel like that's just going to be shuri oh my god but shuri could do it already by herself yeah well she can but that's the thing she doesn't have like a superhero mantle her own and she's just as smart if not smarter than tony stark yeah and she's got way better tech than he does and she also knows how to like she's more graceful it seems like she oh yeah she can fly and maneuver all those cars she could easy maneuver a suit Oh, yeah. I just love her. I she's she's got to be one of my favorite MCU characters ever, yeah. at least. I want her to be like a separate. Uh, yeah. I don't even know if she survived the snap. Did they show us that? I don't, I don't know if we know. I think she's still unknown. Anyway. Um, so I re- this next little scene, and I think this might have what turned off a lot of the men, is that, you know, there were women and they were bonding and it was nice. They didn't have their periods on each other, guys. They just had a conversation. You know, (laughs) I don't even it's like, again, you know, I'm sorry the movie packed the past the Bechdel test for you. I'm really sorry. Think about how much that sucked for us for the last 75 years in cinema. Mm, So sad. And think about the fact that every time we had a movie like this that tanked uh, like Catwoman. Uh, it eliminated movies for the next, what, mm-hmm. 25 years with women leads because they were like, oh, well, we tried that. You know, we put in a whole, like, $3 million into Catwoman, so it failed. So, therefore, nobody wants women movies. Yeah, I'm going to throw this in as a bitch of the week because I will forget it later. So, we're we're at Captain Marvel, right? And we're sitting in, like, the very back row, and there's, like, four dudes sitting on my right side, you know, down the row. And... You just like sit down next to these guys and you just automatically know they're going to be dude bros, right? They're going to talk through the thing or they're going to have, they're going to have commentary. And I'm already annoyed just anticipating listening to the mansplaining that's going to occur. And true to form, it absolutely starts to occur. Like they, they were pretty good. They did not really talk through the movie. There may have been one or two things here or there, but I was like, shut the fuck up. And I was like, that's fine. But at the end, you know, the first thing you do is see these morons who stand up as soon as the lights, like the oh credits start God. to roll and they start to walk off. And this guy's like, sit the fuck down. It's a Marvel movie. Jesus. And I'm like, well, OK, dude, I can go with that because that's exactly what my brain is screaming as well. 
Uh, but anyway, so while we're waiting for the different end credit scenes to happen, they're they're chatting with each other, and they're talking about. Um, I don't know. They're kind of talking about this a little bit disparagingly, but not too bad. They were talking about the DC universe and this, and one guy says, well, what do you think is the best that has come out of, you know, DC in this situation? And of course my brain knows the answer. And the guy actually says wonder woman was the best. And I was like, yeah, good, good job, dude. You changing my mind. I'm, I'm happy to hear this. And then he proceeds to go, but I think it was a fluke. And then he stops and starts to mansplain what a fluke means. He goes, a fluke means it was an accident. And I'm over here and my brain is already screaming. I'm trying not to punch this guy in the face. And I'm like, no, the difference is it was directed by Patty Jenkins and not fucking Zack Snyder. That's the difference. Dipshit. Not a fluke. An actual purposeful thing that was directed by a woman. But I didn't say that because I'm classy. And so then the guy, two, two guys down from him, basically turns to him and goes, I think Shazam's going to be the best DC movie. And I'm like, you just fuck right off, sir. Like, <laughs> that movie looks like such garbage. And I've heard several people say this. And I'm like, his muscles are built into his suit. Like, really? Come on. It yeah. looks like a 90s dumb superhero movie. Like, put it right next to Captain America and Nick Fury that's the dumpster fire from like the 80s and 90s like come on I don't know we'll see what it ends it should be like a, it should be like a comedy and if they don't yeah. treat it like a comedy and something that because Shazam should be playing a 12 year old or something um, well that's the thing like it's it looks like it'll be a little bit of a fun time but it's not gonna compete with Wonder Woman I, I mean really, come on but just it just uh, it's like uh. anyway that's my yeah. It's my little rant. It's like, I don't know. Shit to yourself. I think, yes, the bitch of the week is men have bad opinions. <laughs> and like to mansplain them loudly in a movie theater. I know. You know, it was whether funny. you wanted them to or not. I know. Uh, I had a coworker who's, uh, he's not from America and somebody, some guy mansplained him. And I said, well, it's nice to know that he doesn't just mansplain me. And he goes, I just figured out what that means because he didn't quite understand, you know. Right. <laughs> it was funny. I'm like, it's when you get a lot of extra information that you clearly already know. And he's like, And didn't, yep. didn't ask for. <laughs> yeah. All right. Where are we? Okay. So, yes, they have their girly bonding time because she's been missing for six years and she's trying to piece it together, boys. Back off. Yeah. And even me, who's very kind of emotionally stunted, I teared <laughs> up a little bit. <laughs> emotionally so, stunted like i don't have i've got like a weird range of emotions i'll cry during telephone commercials <laughs> and then watch all of titanic and be like yeah well and hachi don't forget hachi on a plane oh hachi though that was gonna get the flu that was destroying <laughs> that's yeah. maybe that's what the problem is is it took my soul away from me like they left it on an airplane. <laughs> I know. It was it's so just bad. flying back and forth like the Langoliers every day. I was just saying. <laughs> anyway, so they have their emotional time. And then all of a sudden, uh, the scroll guy shows up. And like the first he comes to the door and it's the old farmer guy from next door. And she's ready to, you know, rip his face off. I love she's that. She's like, no, no, scene. that's just my neighbor. Like, back down. And she's like, no, it's not. And she turns around and there's the, the other guy. The, uh, what's his name? Yeah. Scroll guy. Talus. Talus? Talus. I yep. don't know. So, Nobody. Scroll guy. 
the main scroll one. guy. Then they, she, he starts to be like, no, no, please don't shoot me. Like, please don't kill me. Let me tell you my side. And it comes out that the scroll are actually not the bad guys. They're, in fact, a people who has been chased and destroyed and, you know, put under the thumb and lost their homes and everything because they wouldn't submit to Cree rule. And she has some problem with this, right? Because, again, it goes against what she's been programmed with. She's been programmed to think that they are the good guys. They are the, you know, mighty hero warriors. And that is, you know, that is what she knows. And so to find out that, no, your side is actually a bunch of douchebag dickheads, and this group of the accusers is basically what they are. They poisoned all of the Cree against us, but they have been destroying our people. All we want to do is get our people, get the fuck out of here and find somewhere that we can live and be happy. Yeah. And she has a very tough time with this, but I think that's when he explains why they were looking for her because because they were actually looking for the captain. I think that there was a captain. I don't know. That they were was, looking for Marvell. Yeah. Marvell, who was the one in her memories... Because she had access or had a location of where the scrolls uh, can go to be free or something along those lines. Well, it's her lab. Remember, her lab is. Oh, yeah, this, her lab. Uh, mm -hmm. They're looking for this engine, basically a sublight engine or something that would make this, you know, space flight to a certain degree possible. So think Star Trek. But they're looking for her lab or wherever this thing is hidden, or they don't know it's in her lab. They just know it's somewhere. So there, she's talking about it, and then she starts to have these, like, memories and flashbacks of this day where she had to take Marvell, you know, to her lab or whatever. And so she starts having the immediate flashback, or she heard the black box. That's what it was. She heard they had yeah. the black box recording from when her plane went down with Marvell. And, you know, it sparks this this memory to her of flying her, having a spacecraft come down and attack them, try to blow them out. They she crash lands uh, and Marvell is, you know, dying, about to die. And you see this person walking towards them who is clearly the person who has been shooting them out of the sky. Bum, bum, bum. And it's Jude Law. Yes, it's Captain's tight pants. <laughs> Hot guy number one is actually a dickhead. Yep. Shocker. Yeah. I mean, are we are we surprised? I was a little surprised, but <laughs> I we don't I... expect evil to be beautiful. Yeah. I think. It just always is in every single it one is. of these movies. Yeah, it is. And I think that's why I'm distrusting of really pretty people in life. Like it's just been, you know, it always turns out to be the gorgeous asshole that ruins your life. So I'm exactly the same. I do not trust very good looking people. I don't either. And to be honest, I've actually, this is something I've really been working hard on the last couple of years is not automatically thinking that pretty people are one, automatically happy two you know, think really badly of themselves or three aren't going to want to be my friends. So yeah, these are things that have proven themselves to be untrue. And I try to not be a bit, bitter, jealous, petty person. Though, though, society trains us to be. They really do. Yes, they do. Um, generally, though, women um, are much better than men at this. <laughs> women are just better than men in general. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. oh, just kidding. Obviously, we're biased a little. Just a little bit. Anyway. But then it's our show, so whatever. Yes. So anyway, so she has this memory, and the last thing that, you know, is really in her memory is the fact that... Uh, 
you know, Marvell has told her, you've got to destroy this. You've got to destroy this. He's going to take it. They're going to, you know, wipe this whole group out or whatever. I thought they were doing the right thing, but they're terrible, blah, blah, blah. So then she dies. And then uh, Carol Danvers uh, shoots this engine and it blows up and it hits her, you know, with the big energy wave of power. And then we see her like glowing on the ground and realize that, oh, she's the weapon. She's the She's got the, she's got the music in her, you know, whatever. So she's, uh, she's the thing. And they have basically taken her and now, you know, tried to drain it out of her, train it out of her, use her as a weapon, whatever. So now she's pissed. Yeah. Because she's realized she's being used this whole time. Exactly. Um, that is, a li- yeah, that's a little bit of a retcon from the, um, is retcon the right word? What does it stand for? I, yeah. I know what it means, but I don't yeah. really know what it stands for. We did say for. it. So and so retroactively, like, retroactive continuation? I don't know. I don't know. But, all right, tweet us. Let us know. Anyway. So oh, like, they say, will. Uh, we, will be, we will be tweeted. So this is a little bit different uh, in the... Um, in the comic books, even though... And this is the Miss Marvel comic books. Even though... Uh, because... Uh, Marvel is first of all is a dude, and right, but uh, Marvel somehow jumps in front of the explosion to save her, and his and the energy pulse puts his DNA into her, and so she's like more Cree, um, and which makes actually a little bit more sense than my engine blew up and you were a good conduit for it. Yeah. I just looked it up. Retcon does stand for retroactive continuity, so I was close. Well, there we go. Yep. It is a literary device in which established facts in a fictional work are adjusted, ignored, or contradicted by subsequent published work. Yes. It's also like gaslighting in literature. Gaslighting in literature. (laughs) That didn't happen. It never happened. You're crazy. You always do this. You always say this shit happened. Marvel was always a chick. (laughs) Right. Well, it's not any different than the way that they changed, like, Battlestar Galactica, because yeah. Starbuck was originally a dude. Yeah. So, I think, that, you know, and I think that's where some of these little fanboys get their feelings hurt, is when they make a historically male character female, because they think it's, like, something. And I'm like, who who fucking cares? First of all, it's a fictional character, so this person had no gender before somebody drew it on a piece of paper. It doesn't matter. But they're so stuck in the, it has to be the way that it's always been. And this was a man, so it has to be a man. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Unless unless his penis was a part, a major player in the story, it really didn't make much of a difference. No. That'd be sh- I mean, I would have liked to see that, but. Annette Benning's penis? No. It would be nice. I would love to see Annette Benning's penis. I bet it's lovely. You know it would be spectacular. She's got a bigger dick than most guys you run around, so. <laughs> <laughs> and now we have a hashtag, Annette Benning's dick. I'm a fan. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But so that, was, so that was kind of a little bit aside because the weird thing about that, and this is why I always had kind of a problem with that, is because if it was just Cree DNA fused on her, she would be just as powerful as every Cree. Right. She would be like Superman on Krypton. Like it's not a meh, you're just a dude on Krypton. It's because you're here and because you're different than everyone else that makes, you know, it's a different setting, a different situation that makes yeah. you more powerful. If she was just a Cree, 
she would be getting her ass kicked the same as they would. Yeah. So the combination of the blood transfusion from um, what did what is Captain Tight Pants? What is his name? Uh, Jude Law. Yon Yon Rog. Yon Rog. Oh and yeah, because he's like, whose blood is it? Yeah. You're like, Bleh. I know it's gross. <laughs> it's like really. Let's so not talk uh, about bodily fluids at the moment. Well, uh, I don't know. Okay, so this this is where it gets into my feminist girl brain that I'm like, okay, so it's not bad enough that you've, let's just say psychologically raped her here because you've got someone who is, you know, in a situation, they don't know who they are, you've now made them, you know, they, they've now become this powerful entity, and to keep them subservient, you have slipped your own blood into their bloodstream. It's just gross. Like... The longer I think about it, the more gross it sounds. Yeah, and the way it's you very rapey. It, yeah, the way you just said that, like, yeah, that just skews <laughs> me out. That's really gross. I know it's not just me though. I mean, this is like, bleh. yeah, like it just, it just, it's, it's just skeezy. Like it just not. Yeah, well, and you know, and then there was such a trust there with that character, and that was right. That was just added so much to it. Yeah, I mean, I was just like, I disliked what happened, but now that you talk about that, I'm like, yeah, you're right. That's like me as I've been thinking about the cat and Doctor Strange being part of the cat. I'm like, right. wait, that it's, is that it's is uncalled like, for, Doctor Strange. It's like that, but worse, you know? It's just like, yeah. ugh. Yeah. Well, and it was one of those things where I read it. I'm like, hee hee, that's kind of funny. And then I start like thinking about it. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. That's a violation. Like, it's like just, yeah, just like think about, oh, hey, I bought a mirror from Home Depot, but it turns out to be a two way glass that some dickhead can look through all day long. And now I'm 100 percent uncomfortable everywhere in my home. You know, yeah. that's. Like and they write these things like, haha, he's the cat all along. Haha, he's a rat that's lived with your family for twelve years. No, that's a human adult that is like skeezing in your space and God knows when he's transforming and doing what. I don't know. If I'm asleep, who now I and need that Peter Pettigrew is gross. <laughs> I know. Now I need like some kind of like de- you know, like detecto spell on my dogs to make sure they are in fact just dogs. Yeah, we gotta work on that. And not a flurkin. Yes. <laughs> so All we're right. going to get to the flurkin here in a minute. Yeah. So, okay, that's one thing that I, is hysterical. So when they're at the lady's house, uh, Maria's house in Louisiana, and the scrolls show up, and Goose the cat. We've not really even talked about Goose the cat. So Yeah, he followed um, them from the hangar, right? Yeah, he actually, like, jumps in the plane and escapes with them when they flee this military hangar. And but Fury is just obsessed with this cat, and he gets like, "Would you, would you, you're so cute, bleep, bleep, bleep. And she's like, S- "Really? Like seriously?" He's like, "I love you, kitty. I love you, kitty. You're so pretty." And he's just obsessed with this fucking cat. But the cat's hysterical because, like, and then the way that they portray this cat too. So they've they've busted out of this airplane hangar, and they're strapped in. But the cat's like, like, like flipping out because you know he's yeah. now like zero g and he's hanging upside down in cat land and it's just hysterical so they've got the cat and the scroll guy's flipping out and he's like that's not a cat that's a flurkin and they're like what the fuck that's a fucking cat you're afraid of a cat Ooh, cat cat and then they just use the cat to like <laughs> scare keep, them like, yeah keep them in line yeah i like and they're like cat you know he's like it's not a cat and then they get up to uh so they flee when when uh, Captain Tight Pants comes down and, you know, they've got one of the scroll pretending to be Carol or Captain Marvel. And, uh, you know, she misses the misses the one answer because 
she didn't say that it was you know his blood creepy creepy fucking blood yeah. uh, in her veins uh so they they use that distraction to get past him and up into the atmosphere in their little puddle yeah. hopper airplane that the guy has rigged to go into space. I don't know. It sounds incredible. Yeah, they're safe. a science officer that didn't realize that <laughs> they were looking for a satellite, but um, right. but knew how to like get, like turn an airplane into something that could go into the atmosphere. Yeah, and oh, so the little girl Monica. I really love this conversation she has with her mother because Maria, who has been a pilot and, you know, did these dangerous, badass missions to be able to save people, she didn't want to go. Like, they're like, we really need your, we need your help. Like, we need you to come with us. And she's like, no, I've got a kid. I've got responsibility. I'm not going to leave her and leave her, you know, I could die. And, you know, and she's like, are, are you crazy? Like, you will kill yourself if you don't do this. Like, you need to do this. You need to save people. These people need your help. And I love that about this kid because she's just brave. Yeah. You know, she's just, she's a really smart little girl and she's just brave yeah. and selfless, not not worried about herself and not, you know, she's more concerned that her mom gets to go and fly this mission of a lifetime and that she gets to help these people and, you know, and it was pretty cool. Yeah. But she also didn't see her best friend die and think that maybe I should make sure that I'm around. Yeah, well, yeah. there's that. But, you know, kid logic, it works. Yep, so anyway, does. she does convince her, and they, she goes with them, and they fly off, and, you know, they get past Captain Tight Pants, and they fly into space, and they're like, uh, but where is it? And she's like, oh, I know. Pushes the button, decloaking device. Here's my question. When they get onto the lab, why wouldn't you just recloak it? Yeah, it seems like a smart idea. They clearly flew by it like three different times and nobody knew it was there. So why would you leave it just out in the open while you were going to investigate? Like that's that's poor planning. And it it seems like a guy wrote that poor planned part. Yeah. Because I think most women would be like, close the garage door behind you when you go in because that's what we do. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> or shut the cupboard door when you got whatever you needed out of it. You don't just walk around leaving cabinet doors open forever? Yeah. All I do is shut cabinet doors. It's so annoying. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I do too. Or like, why this just we've lived here for four years. This bowl does not go here. Motherfucker. <laughs> I know. I did like this the spaceship part, right? Because mm -hmm. Captain Marvel is a little she's more than just of this earth. And I think that uh the spaceship really helped bring that home to people that may not know her character. Yeah, I've read one anthology i guess of hers it was like the alpha squad or alpha squadron or something and she basically lives in that thing like above earth yeah that's where she hangs out waiting for bad shit to happen so yeah this is when you find out the reason why they were looking so much for the space wasn't necessarily because it was going to get them somewhere it was actually where their families were being held because marvell was actually uh, she was a Cree, and she turned sides to protect the scrolls which is really weird Right, so she had like she had like an entire, probably at least a star cruiser's worth of people on. There wasn't a whole planet's worth, but she had a lot of people that she saved and were like hiding there. So, but you have to remember, she died six years earlier, and nobody knew where they were. Yeah, and she told them, "Do not send out a homing signal. Do not decloak." Blah blah. blah. It's like, could you imagine just sitting on the ship for six years and hoping maybe one day somebody would remember yeah. you or come find you? This though heartbreaking. This is really hard for me because the comic books have me uh, hate scrolls so much 
I'm like, oh, my God, they're nice guys. Oh, my God, they're stupid. I kept waiting for, like, are they really nice guys? Are they gonna? Yeah. Like, I just, you know, especially in the farmhouse, I was like, are they Are they really? Like, I just, I don't trust them. I still don't trust them. They're shapeshifters. I don't yeah. trust, again, I've been taught to hate shapeshifters are bad. I read a lot of Native Native American mysteries, like, ugh, Skinwalker, yeah. bad. Well, so this, uh, they show that they're, the power source on this ship is actually the Tesseract or something. It's not a, I don't oh, know if it's the, the power tesseract. source, but... Um, we all know about the Tesseract because we all watch the Avengers and, and Thor and, 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 and. Yeah. And I think the source of that, um, engine, you know, use some of this as, uh, as a power source, if I recall. Right. Well, it looked the same, that yeah. same blue kind of vibe yeah. that comes off of all the tesseract things yeah so that would make more sense why captain marvel is so much more powerful than anybody else yeah i was actually watching this like because she takes it and puts it into the lunchbox she's carrying this lunchbox around it's got the tesseract in it and i'm like that tesseract <laughs> fell through the bottom of a fucking bomber jet how is it staying in the lunchbox like <laughs> Why, why is it not melting? And I mean, you watch her hold it and just yeah. walk around with it. You're like, Red Skull got sent to the Soul Stone for that shit. Like, I don't know. But I, I thought the cube, the cube is like, the cube itself is a little protector of the stone. It is, but I don't think normal people can hold it and handle it. You know? She definitely has uh, obscene powers for her character. Um, it's not much like the Superman character. It's like... That's the problem with Captain Marvel is she can do everything. So, ugh. Yeah, she's like indestructible. Like the same kind of thing. It's like, well, when you're indestructible, then you become a boring adversary. Yeah, why do you need anybody else on the team? You don't. It, that's all you need. Yeah. Even Michael Jordan needed Scottie Pippen. <laughs> so. Uh. You don't expect to hear those kind of sports analogies on a nerdy girl podcast, do you? Yeah, I grew up in Utah, and they kept, they went against the Bulls every time. They got their asses kicked, even in the finals of the... Oh, I know. We, we fought them twice in the finals here, or at least once. Oh, so, yes. Anyway. I remember a certain John Stockton mm -hmm. hitting a certain three-pointer against the Houston uh, <laughs> Rockets. Poor Rockets. Yeah. Yeah, so... Anyway, um, that was high school, Heather. Yeah, me too. High school, Liz. And college, Liz. I think that first first finals was college Liz anyway it might anyway blah 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 nobody cares see um, we know sports ball people we got the sports ball down we just don't care yes <laughs> we we know it we just don't care about it yeah we have ovaries and we know that shit all right ovaries and broveries um so <laughs> anyway ovaries so <laughs> don't know it's ovaries what, before broveries I know it is I was just okay laughing at it or besties uh, before testies well, that's just true. So, uh, <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> keep your balls to yourself, boys. Yeah. Uh, so, anyways, uh, after we find the scroll and we find out the the little scroll kid can play a hell of a game of uh, pinball, then the uh, accusers come on board. So, Captain Hot Pants and his, his ragtag yeah. group of fake guardians. Uh, okay, and so their names are, like, most of the names of these, I looked them up on IMDb, they're, like, Greek god-type names. Mm. Like, the the bitchy Asian girl, the blue one, mm -hmm. Minerva is her name. Or it's, like, oh. Minerva. And then, the, uh, I think the one that 
may have died. I think it was Atlas. So Atlas. So it's just really interesting little Greek tie-ins with some of these names. They like to just uh, split up a a well-known Greek name into two words. Yep. Yep. And like threw it past because nobody's going to know Greek history because they're comic book nerds. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, Thor is all like. I know them. Yeah, exactly. It's like, hello. So anyway, so they come on board and they're a bunch of dickheads and. uh, They get their asses kicked. They get their asses kicked. and Well, actually, no, I think it's just Jude Law gets his ass kicked. Well, no, she kicks all their asses for for a while because she's playing with them, right? She's already, they've taken her and she has to go talk to Annette Bening's dick again. And she ends up dick smacking uh, Annette Benning down, you know, the, the fake Annette Benning. I That was awesome. Yeah. So that was amazing. So then she like, you know, turns the matrix inside out and now she knows she's more powerful than like literally anything. And, but she's still kind of fucking with him. Right. Yeah. So she gives fury the Tesseract and they give it to the cat. Like, the cat eats it because the cat is not a cat. It's a flurkin. That was awesome. And it's got these big, weird tentacles. So they hold it out, and it, like, bitch slaps and eats half the people, which is awesome. Because Fury's still like, good kitty kitty. It's hysterical. That, that was a great and, part, especially when at the before <laughs> we knew what the cat could do. They were scanning everybody for their... Um, right. Oh, yes. And they're like, flurkin, highly dangerous, level red, blah, blah. And then they scan Fury. Human male, no threat at all. He's like, what? I know. <laughs> I really enjoyed when they put the little Hannibal Lecter mask on the cat. <laughs> that was the best. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so Flurry's got, the, Flurry's got the Tesseract inside the cat, and they're just running and doing their thing and whatever, trying not to get their asses handed to him. And so she's just she's walking around with a lunchbox that they think has the Tesseract in it. And she's, you know, beating everybody up and fighting them and all this stuff. And they get into this and, I don't know, somehow he is, he tries to escape. Yeah, they figured out. Yeah, they figure out it's a distraction. Yeah, they figure out it's a distraction and that Fury and the Flurkin have gone back to Earth with the Tesseract. So now he's trying to hop into a pod and get out of there. And so she hops onto it, as you do in space when you're human. Yeah is you just jump on the top of a plane and ride it down through the atmosphere because that's safe. Yeah. Even when your head's on fire in a mohawk, but you're still going yeah. through atmosphere. So, mm. yeah, this is the point where you can see that at, well, as soon as she fries the central intelligence and the little, um, the little thing on her neck, which was, yeah, it sounds like it was more like those, uh, protective barriers that professor X put on, um, dark phoenix to make sure that she it's like a restraining uh, bolt yeah and so once she fried it i mean that was the impression i got that was the parallel i got i'm sure other people got the same one is uh and then she was just completely she could do everything and she knew it Mm -hmm. she she's like oh yeah hop into space watch this i'm gonna fly bitch this is when the he-man meme comes out i have the power just like that (laughs) that's what i felt anyway so anyways, now she can ride through the atmosphere on the top of a rocket, as you do. So he's still trying to shoot them down. Uh, she ends up taking him out. Ronan's ship shows up at this time uh, and starts to shoot yeah. things, planes and shit. And she basically just grabs one and throws it into all of the other ones and blows them up. Yeah. 
she was, completely this is why you know it was awesome the look on know, his face was yeah. fucking priceless especially when she just flies up in front of his viewing port and is like your move bitch and he's like yeah. mm, we're gonna go <laughs> we'll, we'll be back later maybe in a little while with Loki, you know fight someone else <laughs> and they basically turn tail and run and so now Captain Hot Pants is left in his broken down plane on the planet and she rips him out and they're going to have a fight. And he, this is when he starts like, he starts trying to, to man her and like, Oh, Hey, you know, I taught Good you, job. you'll never fight me unless you can fight me without your powers. And he's saying all this stuff like, come on, you'll never. And she just blasts the shit out of him. And she's like, I don't have to prove shit to you. I was like, yes, that was awesome. Because, you know, that's all they were doing was they, they knew how powerful she was. And that's why they had a restraining bolt on her. And they're still trying to keep her to teach everything in check. So she didn't just kill them and realize they're a bunch of douchebags. And so just, you know, she had you know, just like very labyrinth. You have no power over me. Like, I loved it. So, yeah. And then she just literally grabs him and throws him into space. Like, was, you're out of awesome. here. Go. Pshung, gone. Like yep. a paper airplane. Yeah. I I think that this this was a good, um, I think it was a good movie. Like I said, it did have a a slow burn uh, to, get, to get through the backstory, but we needed it, right? Well, any we movie went- that's going to be, you know, having to introduce whole new worlds, whole new characters, a whole new backstory you knew nothing about. The only thing anybody knew about Captain Marvel was that Fury had a pager that called her. That's it. Yeah. And if you didn't know what her signal symbol was, you didn't even know what that was. So, I, literally, I screamed aloud when I saw the symbol in the theater, and I was really close to Craig's ear. <laughs> I was just so excited. Like I, I had no idea that they were involving her at all into the, in the arc. I thought she was going to be kind of a separate an episode afterwards. Yep. And I literally screamed. Yeah, that's awesome. I like yeah. when they do that. They're really good about throwing these characters in that you don't really know who they are, but then you go and research and you're like, "Ooh, now I can be really excited about this." Yeah, and that's what I was when they were talking about it well before they even said Brie Larson was going to be the uh, actress, I was so excited. Yeah. In fact, I always liked that choice of uh, Brie Larson because she was she's just an excellent actress. I was thinking Emily Blunt mm-hmm. to start with. I thought Emily Blunt would also be a good. Mm-hmm. They have a similar look. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think Emily Blunt might be a little bit older than they're trying to get her to play, but they're about the same age now. Now, I think Jennifer Lawrence was even someone that they were kind of considering yeah. for it. But it's kind of hard to do that because she is mystique in yeah. the realm of the Marvel Universe. So, but again, I think they all could have done a good job, but Brie Larson did an amazing yeah. job. I think Charlize Theron 10 years ago yeah, would have been perfect. But she, yeah, it's 10 years ago. It's like now she's just not. Not the right age frame. I love Charlize. I love Charlize Theron. I do too. We actually just saw her again. We were watching um, back episodes of the Orville and she had a, one of the episodes she was on in the first season. Have you seen Atomic Blonde? Mm -mm. It's kind of fun. If you like, I like action. So, Mm -hmm. um, and I come across them eventually. They're not something I seek out. Yeah. They're plot holes. 
but it's <laughs> but it's uh it and it's not actually there's not that many plot holes. It's just like the story is not that exciting. But mm. um uh man, she's awesome. And it has good music in it. Oh, speaking of music, let's talk about Captain Ugh. Marvel's music. Awesome. Okay. I this was my high school playlist just Me, all yeah. over the place. I loved it. I was a little sad. I went and pulled up the soundtrack and none of the songs I was looking for were on there. Oh, it was almost prob- like they put the score in place of a soundtrack. I'm like, no, no, not the same thing. I know, because at the end it said that the soundtrack was available, so I wanted to go look for it. Oh, well. Yeah, I looked for it and it's all like, fights the flurrig or whatever. And you're like, what? Like, I was like, where's Hole? Where's, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I know this song was in there because I was singing it, and that's a fucking rock band song. So. Yeah, they probably couldn't get the rights to a lot of it. I think the Suicide Squad uh, one did the same thing, too, where they didn't have nearly as many good songs on it. Well, it may just be that, you know, it'll take time to get, you know, because usually they release a score and a soundtrack separately. Yes. But you don't normally call the score the soundtrack for no. different things. No. Anyway, so I was very happy with Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about the end credit scenes. Oh, yes. Both of them. They were great. I, I cannot remember the first one. Oh, no, I do. I remember it. The first one is the pager. Yeah, and I think that that might actually be just a straight cut out of the movie. Oh, yeah, I think it is. I mean, it, one, it was really long for an end scene. Yeah. Um, usually they're not quite that long. But this was just like they cut a piece out of the movie. But it was really good. So they found... Fury's pager, how they found him in a dust heap and found his pager, I have no idea because nobody was with him that stayed alive. Um, how, so I guess we'll find that out or Co- Kobe, probably not. Kobe also got dusted? I yeah. Think. Oh. oh, yeah. They both dusted. She dusted first. And then I don't know why. That was the weird thing about the, the dusting. Like, okay, Spider-Man's taking a little bit longer than everyone else I got because he used up all his Spidey power to do it. But everyone else went like at the same time and he had a good 60 seconds or longer after you know colby dusted and uh yeah so i don't know um he uh yes i don't know so anyways you know at the end of infinity war he sends a page off to captain marvel which we realized just because her symbol pops up on it you're like "Hmm, cool pager and then this one starts, they've got the pager, it's been going, they've put it on some sort of battery power to try to keep it sending to whomever it's sent. They don't even know who it's trying to contact. They just know he contacted, so it must be important. And yeah. they try to keep it running, and all of a sudden, it dies. It's done. And they're like, well, that's not good. Let's get it working again. And they turn around, and she's standing there and says, where's Fury? Yeah, but she's standing there in like a super creepy, like paranormal way. That kind yeah. of, I was like, dude, like, put your hair back, maybe smile a little. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Could you smile a little more? Maybe wear a sundress. That'd be great. We'd really, you would seem much less intimidating and like a weird, freaky ghost. <laughs> but she did have this ghost thing, that, which makes us feel that she could, that she can time travel. Well, yeah, it does feel that. And also, you know, you know, she didn't just walk through the doors and up the stairs and down the hallway. It was just like she just popped into existence there. Yeah. So that's kind of you're like, what, what, what? So we'll see. Yeah. Um. So there's that. And then the second one, the very, very end credit was basically Goose, the Flurkin cat, horking up the Tesseract onto Fury's desk. Yep. Blech. That that 
That was awesome because it was perfect. It was that's exactly like every cat yak on, mm-hmm. in the planet. You think, oh my god, it's gonna yak. Oh my god, it's gonna mm-hmm. yak. Oh oh oh, they're mm-hmm. not gonna yak. Oh, there it's it goes. fine. <laughs> exactly. So then the fun thing about that, and Paul brought this up to me tonight when we were talking about it, because my question is, okay, so. We, we sort of know where the timeline of the Tesseract is, but because so many of these movies are shown to us out of order, it pops all over the place, right? So we saw it in Captain America. We see it again in Thor later. And then you try to remember, did we see it in Thor earlier? Did we see it? Where was it here? How did it get here? How did it get there? We know that Howard Stark picked it up off the ocean floor, and so then assumedly S.H.I.E.L.D. had it. Then we find out that Marvell has it up in her lab in space. So how did she get it? Where did yeah. how, how did she come across that? Because Shield doesn't seem to know who she is or whatever. Um, because they, you know, at least flurry at, at Fury, ugh, Fury's level. He's a he's a flurry now. <laughs> at Fury's level, he doesn't know that aliens exist. I don't know how much Shield knows at that point that aliens exist. So how does she get a hold of the Tesseract? Now it's come back. It's been in this cat's belly. It pukes it up on Fury's desk. But how long? We don't know. Cats can live forever, especially if they're, in fact, aliens. So we don't know when that happens. And then how does it get from there to wherever we see it next, which I guess is in Avengers? But then where did the scepter that Loki has in that movie come from? We assume it came from Thanos, but how does Thanos get a hold of something like that? I don't know. It's all very timey-wimey, isn't it? A little bit, yeah. Yeah. So A little wibbly-wobbly. Yeah, but I do like the Tesseract. I like that, um, you know, we keep coming back to it. So mm-hmm. it's, it's going to be interesting. I'm excited. Well, it's like the first Infinity Stone will be the last Infinity Stone, even though we already know that Thanos has that stone. Yeah. So, and I- then it's like... How did he get it? Well, he got it because he stole it from Loki. Yeah. Where did Loki get it? He got it from the throne room. When did it go back to the throne room? You know, so it's just kind of like tracing it through time and space. Yeah. I have high hopes for this movie. So. Yeah, I think it's good. And I love that they moved it up to April. So we don't have that much longer to wait. It's Paul keeps saying, I'm not going to make it. I'm like, you said that before literally every movie, but. I, I get it. Like, it's like, ugh, it's been almost a year. We need to know what's happening. Because we don't have any idea on the timeline. Heck, how far into the future is it? Like, I was thinking something today. It was like, you can tell these things by the length of Black Widow's hair. I'm like, really? Like, <laughs> this is this is what we're going to do? Yeah. Fuck you being a powerful superhero. Let's look at your hairstyle. Yeah. All right. Anyway. I don't know. So I, I really enjoyed it. I give it four goose paws. Oh, <laughs> four goose paws. I'll take <laughs> it. Um, so four out of like, I, I don't know how many paws a flurkin has, but you know, four visible goose paws. We'll give. So I um, normally end episodes with a internet comment, but internet mm-hmm. comments on Captain Marvel are poison. Yes. That's a good quote in itself. I will put it on our quote memes next week, and then it will become an internet quote if Ooh, it's over. so meta. <laughs> we are meta all over. Anyway, so I've decided to give you a listener feedback uh, or a listener review quote uh, from listener Kitty. 
Oh, okay. Patreon. I, I will go with listener Kitty. I didn't know if this was just a random quote or. <laughs> no, no. Normally they are random. Yep. So, but I was just like, I can't read any more of these quotes. We love listener patron Kitty. So. And former guests. Don't forget former guests. Like seven time former guests. Very good point. She's been on the show as more than anyone but you and me. Yep. I'm trying to get her on the show in uh, May sometime. That'd be good. All right. So here is listener Kitty's comment. I can't believe Nick Fury lost his eye to a cat. Oh, shit. We didn't even talk about that. I know. I'm glad we did it because then Kitty got all the thunder there. (laughs) That was the best. Because, again, we're watching this weirdly infected eye that he got from fighting the scroll, waiting for this to just be the end of his eyeball. And then at the end, it comes down to him trying to snuggle the flurkin cat and the cat scratches his eye out. And, it's like, yeah. and then at the end, they're like washing dishes. And she's, he's like, I think it's getting better. She's like, mm-mm. <laughs> yeah, that is not getting better. If only you had Cree blood and we could do something about that. <laughs> if only. There was a corpse somewhere with blood in it. So, all right. So I guess this is probably the last we'll ever see of Nick Fury being fun. Um, uh, and then I think the world gets to him. Well, as it would when a cat takes your eye. And then that cat lives in your office staring at you and mocking you all day because cats do that anyway. And then yaks on your desk when you're not there. Ugh, the worst. Because you know that Tesseract's not the only thing. Yeah. God knows what he did with those scrolls. Did he shit them out or or did they make the full full digestion? Oh, that's a a horrible litter box right there. I don't even want (laughs) to. I know. I don't even want to think about it. (sighs) At least, you know, at least if Captain... Strange or Doctor Strange is your cat. Maybe he will be kind enough to go and shit outside somewhere instead of in your I house. Don't know. I would hope so. All right. Well, I am glad that we got to talk about Captain Marvel because um, I think it was an important one. It was for me somewhere between Iron Man and Guardians of the Galaxy that vibe. So a little bit funny, mm-hmm. a little bit learning. Um, I can't wait to see what comes next with Captain Marvel. So, all right, I guess we will see you guys next time. All right, see ya. Want a chance to support the show? Want to get some awesome rewards and nerdy bitches swag? Then head over to our Patreon account at patreon.com slash nerdy bitches. From not your basic bitch to rock star bitch, we have a monthly plan to fit any budget. Your support allows us to really up our game and make sure the show stays awesome without bowing to corporate sponsorship. In addition to providing prizes, giveaways, and convention coverage, we will also donate 20% of all net profits each month to other independent podcasts. This allows us to help grow other indie shows that we believe in. So hit us up at patreon.com slash nerdy bitches and support your favorite bitches today. A non-mom happy hour is the podcast that celebrates real-ass human women, whether they use their baby box or not. Hosted by Kelly Nerdzilla Mendenhall and Debbie Jo Nelson, a non-mom happy hour is a safe space to talk about mental health, trauma, disordered eating, surviving, and self-care. We talk about it all while laughing as much as possible, because if you don't laugh, you'll cry. If you like to laugh, feel like you've never quite fit into most lady groups or podcasts because you're not a mom, or are a mom who needs a break from momming for an hour, you should come hang out with us. A non-mom happy hour, bringing healing through laughter and community. Streaming basically everywhere you could possibly want to find us. Remember, always be a real-ass human. To check out the podcast, visit anonmomhappyhour.com. 
Rawcast, the antisocial commentary podcast, is a blistering earful of auditory honesty, focused on bringing listeners the dregs of truth on all social topics fascinating and controversial. During the celebration, the Celts wore costumes, typically consisting of animal heads and skins, and attempted to tell each other's fortunes. Yeah, I think people are still attempting to tell each other's fortunes today. Tell me uh, the fucking winning lottery numbers for the next uh, Powerball Mega Millions. How about that? Well, I don't know what the fuck I got a hold of, dude, but in like 2009 or 2010, I got some acid in Austin. Mm-hmm. Dude, that was like a, de- a like a defining moment in my life oh. it was like a, it was the most yeah. intense hallucinogenic experience <laughs> dude I don't know if it was an LSD I don't know what the hell it yeah. was dude cause it was like man that was a mind fuck that was tough dude it was challenging White told police he struck Gay on the head with a mallet several times until she was unconscious then tightened a large zip tie around her neck until she stopped breathing court documents said Jesus why are you accusing and convicting these people of this anyways dude you are following the same type of fairy tale shit that they are leave them alone you follow your fairy tale let them follow their fairy tale we can all believe in our fairy tales in peace leave everyone else's fairy tale alone bro subscribe to rawcast on itunes and stream wherever fine podcasts are available follow us on instagram at the underscore real underscore rawcast or on twitter at the real underscore rawcast join the discussion on facebook at the real rawcast and subscribe to our youtube channel Provided by www.bensound.com, and please email feedback to contact us at nerdybitches.com. Would love to see Annette Benning's penis. I bet it's lovely. You know it would be spectacular. <laughs>